Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit Pew Podcast and this week's Adult Bible Studies. We continue our study and our journey through the book of 1 John. We're about to come to the end of 1 John. We've got two more weeks this week, and then one more, and then we'll touch on 2 John and 3 John before moving on to a brand new series. But I hope you're enjoying these studies. And this week's study, uh, we got into some, some good thoughts. And matter of fact, my brother, the morning of teaching this, my brother gave an illustration I really liked, and so I ran with it in our class. And really, in my mind, in my heart, it became the theme of our message this week about the the commandments of God. They're not grievous. They're not a burden. And I'm going to show you, if you feel like, man, I just feel like it is a burden. Well, then you're going to see this week why you feel it's a burden and how you can go from the commandments of God being a burden to being a delight. And so you're going to see that this week. So without further ado, here is this week's adult Bible study. Okay, let's go to John, 1 John 5. 1 John chapter 5 is where we are in our study. We've been uh, just walking down through this book. We've got two more sections in 1 John, and then we will go to 2 John, and then 3 John, which are just one chapter. And then once we, we've got about five weeks left, I think, in this rotation of study. And then after our five weeks, then we, then we will have some different, I guess to stick with the college term, electives, where I will have a class I'm teaching on a specific thing. I don't know what it'll be yet. Uh, my brother will be teaching a class over there. It'll be a specific thing. And then my dad will be as well. And uh, so you can join any of those classes that you want. But we're finishing up 1 John, getting 2 John and 3 John. We're in chapter number 5 this week, and he's going to begin with a very familiar theme. Uh, it's not surprising he's known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's known as the, the love disciple because he talks a lot about love. And he does use a lot of the similar words, a lot of the same themes from the Gospel of John as he does in 1 John. If you've read recently the Gospel of John, if not, I'm going to bring some back to your memory but you would notice the common language that he uses. And we'll see that come up to play about two or three times here, even today in our study. So let's just dive right into it. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now when he says the Christ, what does that phrase mean? Does anybody know the Christ to them? It's the what? Somebody said it, I think. The Messiah, yes. So they were looking for a Messiah to come. So when he says the Christ, we hear the name Jesus Christ so often today. We look at it as almost like a last name. You know, it's not a last name, but we look at it as that. But when he says, whosoever believe that Jesus is the Messiah, because there were many people that came and said they were the Messiahs. Remember, I think it was even a few chapters ago, there's, there's going to be a lot of these false prophets or come that say that they are the Messiah, the Christ. And so that was a term that they looked at as the Messiah. So he says, whosoever believeth faith that Jesus, whom we've been talking about, is the Messiah, is Christ, is born of God. The born of God is one of those phrases that if I went back to John, I know I'm giving you some early quizzes and it's, uh, it's Sunday morning, but when he says that phrase, born of God, if you does that take your memory to anywhere in the book of John? I know it's a tough question, maybe, but is any, any passages? I memorize some of the Bible by books of the by chapters, so that's how I think. So it's how I teach. But when I think of ch John chapter three, you may think of John three. What do you know? Anything? 
And you know John 3.16, but before that, ooh, what's in the same chapter? This is a good quiz. Good quiz. It's Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus. It's the story of, of, of Jesus and Nicodemus. And remember Nicodemus asked him a question. I, I, really, basically, how do I become a Christian? He says, you must be born again. He said, how can I be born again? Do I go back into my mother's womb? And he was talking about the spiritual birth. So, so that's the same phraseology that he's using here when he says, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're born of God. You're born again. And everyone that loveth him, loveth God, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Now those are phrases we don't use a lot, but here's what he's basically saying. If you love God, you also love his children. And so that ought to be that, and we've talked about loving one another in this, but that's another way of wording this. If you love God, you're a child of God in fellowship with God, you ought to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so the people that come into this church ought to be those that we love and those that, and other Christians, it ought to be, you don't, may not have the same personalities, you may not have the same interests, you may not have the same uh, taste in clothes, I don't know, look, me and Ryan are friends, I don't think I'd ever wear that shirt, but it looks good on him. <laughs> He wouldn't do half the things that I do, probably. But, but I love him as a brother in Christ and as a friend. So there's a loving in Christ. But if you love God, you also love those that are begotten of him. Then verse 2, he says, By this, so by this love, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So it, it, Brian used a good phrase here, or a good thought. I'm going to steal a couple of his of his illustrations today, but just real quick, he's saying when you when there's a problem between me and God, there's going to be a problem between me and God's children. Just like at home, if there's friction between you and your spouse at home, and remember when your kids were there, or if you have kids at home, when there's friction between you and your spouse, does that kind of spill over to the kids sometimes? You may be a little shorter with them, and it's really his or her fault. Not really, but that's what we say. I'm just mad at, at, at her or him, and so now I'm a little bit sharper with them, and it spills out on the children when our relationship with each other is not right. Same thing. If my relationship with God's not right, guess what? I'm probably going to be a little sharper to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Probably not always going to be as merciful because I'm not right with God. Probably not going to be as uh, kind or not going to be as patient because my relationship with God's not right. And when my relationship with God's not right, the vertical relationship, my horizontal relationships struggle. And so he's saying here, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. This is a big phrase. Verse 3, this, is, this ought to take you back to John 2. Whenever you do the study, sometime you'll notice them. For this is the love of God. Here's how, here's how we know we love God. That we keep his commandments. Now, does that take anybody back to John, to a phrase in there? John 15 says this, If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. That's what John wrote, this same author, years before, as he, and it was written in red, so he's saying, I witnessed, this is what Jesus said. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, here he is as an old man writing to the second, next generation coming up, and he says this, Here's how you're going to know you love God. Keep his commandments. You know what he's doing? He's just, he's just, can I say regurgitating this early in the morning? But he's just regurgitating. He's just uh, teaching what he's already been taught before. It's been on his heart all of these years. He remembers back 
in that moment, he doesn't go back and say, oh yeah, that was in John 15, verse 12. He doesn't do that. He goes, that was a time when we were sitting over there by this tree. And Jesus looked at us and he said, hey guys, if you love me, keep my commandment. He remembers these things. And that's a very true thing. If you love God, obey him. Follow what he says. Do, do what he says. It's, it would be... It would be hypocritical for us and it would be confusing to everyone around us to say we love God, but we do not live as if we love him because we do everything opposite of the Bible, everything opposite of what he tells us to do. And we've all probably experienced that in our own lives or we've seen it in others when maybe when someone comes up and says, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, you think, I had no idea. Can you tell your Facebook poster that you're a Christian because it did not look like it when I was reading all that. Sometimes we can see that. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, show it on Facebook. If you love me, show it on Instagram. If you love me, then it just it's just who you are. It just pours out of you. It, it, should, it doesn't have to be, I, I don't even like to use the phrase, but I just, for a specific point, I said on Facebook, but it, a lot of times Facebook is always the best of us. You know, it's like everybody's fighting. Like, everybody, come on, just smile real quick. Smile. Let's get the snap, put it on Facebook. Everything's great. But that's that, that, So that's not the best of illustration for this. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of times people, that's where their emotions come out. That's where everything just tends to come out in our day and age. But where it ought to be is, people see Christ in you at work, on your social media. They see Christ in you at church. They see it in your home. Your kids see it at the house. If you love God, if you're in fellowship with God, you're keeping His commandments. If you're not keeping his commandments, it doesn't mean you're not a child of God necessarily. It just means you're not in fellowship with God. There's just no way around it. But I love the last part of this, verse 3. And, and uh, Brian gave a great illustration here, and I will, and I'll just steal his. And I'll give him credit online if he listens to this. But uh, verse 3, last part says, And his commandments are not grievous. Notice the words grievous, not grievous, which one you'll say. But his commandments are not grievous. So he says, keep God's commandments. If you love him, if you want to be in fellowship with God, then just keep his commandments. And then he's like, he just hears the objection in his head. He's like, he just, as he's writing, he can hear that one person that's always negative about everything going, well, it's just so burdensome. That's what the word grievous means. It's just so burdensome to keep his commandments. He's going, no, these are not burdensome. I was thinking of Brian, I should say I was thinking this, but Brian gave this illustration. It was a good one. A couple weeks ago, we all... Our, my family, Michelle and I and our kids, and then um, my brother and his kids and his wife and my sister and Aaron and their kids. Did, you were there, right, Becca? Ah, she hates when I do that. They were there, and then um, mom and dad, and we all went to Holiday World. Now, if you let my parents pick a thousand places they would want to go, not in a top thousand would Holiday World be there. They would, it just wouldn't be Dad doesn't wear shorts. And so it's 90 degree day. He's in a full like church outfit. I mean, he's got like, he's got dress pants on and a dress shirt. I don't even think he wore a t-shirt, did he? I think a collared shirt. So he's got his collared shirt. He's got his dress pants on. He's walking around in 90 degree day. It's just sweating. He doesn't go to the water park. He doesn't, he did ride a few roller coasters, but it had to be absolutely miserable. And then you got all these little kids, which he loves, and they're running around, and they, some of them want to ride this ride, some want to ride this ride, and you got us adults, and we're like little kids. We want to ride these rides. And so, dad, I mean, Dad, one time we wanted to get, 
we, we really wanted to ride the Thunderbird, which is the farthest thing possible from the one thing my dad liked, which was food, which was coming up, <laughs> which was coming up after this. So we went all the way over to the Thunderbird, and he rode it. And then we came back, and that's what he was talking about. It's like all uphill on the way back. And he had to slow down. He had to, he, I think he had to take a break. I think that wore him out. He was just so hot. And the whole day, he, he I mean, one time we were up on this slide. We were going to go down. I look across the way, and here's my dad just walking in his dress pants, just walking like this, you know, just walking. You could see him across the park. He had to be absolutely dying. But you know what? I never heard him complain. It wasn't grievous to him. Why? Well, because there was 10 little kids running around that he absolutely loves. There was two of his kids that he absolutely loves. I don't know who the third one, just kidding. No, here's why, and my mom, I mean, my mom was having a good time. She, she tried to get on some of those roller coasters and they were just killing her. I mean, boom, boom, just some of those. And she was, but they were having a good time and they were, mom was organizing everything, getting everything ready and the food stuff. And, and this, if you had to choose, give them a thousand choices, they're not gonna choose Holiday World. But they chose it, they paid for it, they got everything ready, they had fun, they smiled, everything. Why? Because they love their kids and grandkids. And so that's not a place for them, but because they love. So they would say this, it wasn't grievous. I would look at dad walking across like he's dying, saying, whoa, that looks grievous to me. He said, no, he would say, no, it wasn't grievous. Didn't complain, had a great time because of his love. But here's what a lot of Christians do. I gotta read the Bible today. I got to go to church today. Oh my, I just don't want to go to church today. It's, I got Monday off and I got to go and I got to get, oh, I just don't, I haven't read my Bible. I got to pray. We act like it's so grievous. If you love God, it's not grievous. You get to talk to him. You get to listen to him. Grievous is walking through a 90 degree weather, full clothed and everything, sweating to death. That, that's grievous, but not when you have a heart full of love. It's not grievous to crack this open each morning and just say, God, what do you got for me today? I mean, even if it takes 15 minutes to spend some time, even if it takes 10 minutes and a little extra study to try to figure out what some of these words mean, is it really that grievous when we think about how much he's done for us? So when you put it in that perspective, when you try to, I mean, and, I, and I'm not trying to, Honestly, you're not trying to guilt trip you. It's times that I take it as grievous. I don't think I ever go around saying, oh, I got to read today. But sometimes I just don't even think about it. You know, there was never a time walking through that park when we were like, wait, don't I have four kids? Where's those kids at? Now, I have lost Elijah once at the zoo and it scared me to death. But, uh, but usually you're pretty unlearned. But sometimes we just don't even think about God. And, and it, so he says, if you love me, if you love God, keep his commandments. And just in case you want to say, well, it's just so burdensome," He says, no, God's commandments are not burdensome. And you know why they're not burdensome? There's another reason, but I got to move on. But another reason it's not burdensome is because he gives us everything we need to do it. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will help us. And you say, man, I don't, my number one, the number one thing I've answered in my, since 2000, when I said I was going into ministry, I don't know, is probably, I just don't understand the Bible. Just don't understand the Bible. And I get that, but his commandments are not burdensome. You can, there's enough of it that you can get, and you have the Holy Spirit that will help you that we just have to do the hard work, the hard work. We just have to do it. 
and then trust that God will do his part. And so he says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God. So here's if you, a Christian. He's talking about, again, you're a child of God overcometh the world now that word overcometh is another common phrase if you go back to john chapter 16 i think it's one of the last couple verses there in john 16 he says he talks about that we have, we've overcome the world he says be of good cheer i have overcome the world you're going to face some tribulation but he says be of good cheer i've overcome the world you remember that phraseology in john chapter 16 well here he is right here and in, in, at the end of his life writing this letter and he says who is he, or well, let's back up. Whosoever is born of God, if you're a child of God, you've already overcome the world. You already have victory. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, look at that last word, faith. We sing that song, faith is, faith is the victory. Faith is, I, don't, I almost want to sing it. I don't want to sing in front of you guys. I know I lead singing, but I do not like to sing, all right? I, I lo, let me rephrase that. I love to sing. I don't sing in front of people. I lead singing because dad said, hey, can you help us by leading singing? You did it and you learned it. And I said, sure, I can do that as long as they turn my mic off. And guess what? They don't turn my mic off. So I, that was part of the contract. But, uh, but here he says, you and I, as children of God, we've overcome the world. We've already talked about the world in chapter 2. And he talks about the world is made up of the lust of the eyes, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. It's the world system, the world thinking. It's... It's the world that wants to tempt us to have thoughts that we shouldn't have. It's the world that wants to tempt us to, to get discouraged. It's the world that wants to tempt us with all of these wrong things. But he says, hey, you, just like the, the commandments of God are not burdensome, they're not something that you can't handle, the, thing, the, the situations in life that you face are not going to, they don't overcome you or they don't have to overcome you. You already have the victory, he said. And when we say, well, it's almost like he can, he imagines again the, the, the pushback. And they, well, where's the victory? He says, this is the victory, your faith. Now, we usually only think of faith in light of salvation. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. That's going to get me to heaven. So you can overcome the penalty of sin and you can get to heaven. That's great. That's what we always think of. But faith has so much more meaning to it. You know what faith overcomes today when you want to get in your flesh and get frustrated? Faith overcomes that frustration. You say, no, no, no. It doesn't. Faith has never met my match. My husband is, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a challenge. Or my wife or my kids, that's a challenge. Hold on. Faith is the victory. That's how you get victory. So you have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I could teach on this forever, so I need to watch my time. Because this, I think, is the New Testament. We're all, we as Christians struggle all the time. Because we think of salvation as only saving me from hell. And it's going to get me to heaven one day. And then we look at this time that we're alive, the rest of it, like we just got to figure it out. Do the best we can. Well, it's Faith is the victory. So when I was 12... Faith helped me overcome the penalty of sin, and it gave me the promise of heaven when I got saved. But now at 40 years old, if I'm struggling with worry or if I'm struggling with any of the opposites of the fruit of the Spirit, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, so the opposite, selfishness. Joy, the opposite's frustration. Peace, the opposite's worry. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, the opposite is short-temperedness. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Gentleness, the opposite is being harsh. I can't keep doing all that. It's like going the alphabet backwards. But if you go through the nine fruit of the Spirit, take the opposite of that. The opposite of that is where we feel sometimes comfortable. We're like, I'm I just so frustrated. Well, the Bible says to be full of joy. Well, I can't. Yeah, you can. You've overcome the world 
through victory that comes through faith. But I already know I'm saved. Faith's going to get me to heaven. Yeah, but faith's going to help you right now over that frustration. Well, how? Well, you have the Spirit. And, and he says in Colossians, if I'm trying to piece all this together in a fast way that try to make you see it. But remember in Colossians chapter 2, he says this. I should go look it up because I'm going to miss it. But as you basically, I'm paraphrasing now, but as you've received Christ, that's the same way you live. How did I receive Christ? By my works? No, I received Christ by faith. So now I overcome the situations in life by faith. I say, God, here it is. I am frustrated right now, but you tell me to be full of joy. So I'm giving you my frustration, asking you to give me victory. And what does God do? He gives you victory. You're like, oh, that sounds too simple. It sounds pretty simple that day that you got on your knees and say, God, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sins and save me and take me to heaven? Well, that sounds too simple. But you believe that, right? Then why not today, when you start to get angry, say, God, this anger is wrong. But you've promised me that I can have peace. You've promised me my worry that I can have peace. You've promised me in my short temper that I can have long suffering. You promised in Galatians 5, so God, help me to place my faith in you and to have long suffering. To have peace instead of this worry. Try it. It's walking by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. You say, that just sounds too crazy. Well, you got saved by faith. Think about an outside person. You're on your knees saying, oh, I don't want to go to hell. God, forgive me of my sins and save me and take me to heaven. You wake up, I'm going to heaven now. How? It's faith. Well, how do you live the Christian life every single day? It's by faith. But so often we only will use faith. We only look at faith as that's going to get me to heaven. And now at 40 years old, I just got to figure it out. It's so tough and I got to get through this trial and I got to get through this and I got to wrestle on my own. Why? Why? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith is the victory, not just from hell and going to go to heaven. Faith is the victory over sin now, past, present, where I'm living now at this day, July, whatever today is, the 3rd of 2022, faith is the victory today for me, and faith will be the victory one day when I get to heaven. But we can overcome whatever we face. And this is not a TV preacher saying, you can overcome it, just give me $100 and I'll send you a cloth and you can... No, it's faith. Faith overcomes. If you study the New Testament with that mindset, that, that faith, living by faith, is not just something that happens when you get saved. It's every day of your life. The gospel was not just for the lost, it's for the saved too. So Jesus lives in me, helps me overcome sin every day. I, I could go forever on that, but that is where number number one thing that we as Christians, I think, struggle with in churches today. But the moment you try to tell someone, well, you don't have to struggle with that. Just ask God and to take it away and ask Him to, to, give, to give you the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, that just sounds crazy. And then I always want to say, well then your salvation sounded crazy. All you did was ask someone that you cannot see to take you to a place you cannot see, to keep you from another place that you cannot see, and you think it's happening because you just asked. Well, then just ask God to free you from the anger that you can see to give you the joy that you want, the long-suffering that you want. It's faith, walking by faith. We have to get that serious about it where we just talk to God. God hears my problem. Here's what you tell me to do in the Bible. I can't get here right now in my current spot, so I need you by faith to help me get here. And God does it. 
It's amazing. It's faith. Okay, so we got to get to the next one, though. So he says, now this is where, boy, if we wanted, I'm glad I'm out of time, basically, because if we wanted to go into the weeds of controversy, we could do it in the next few verses. But we're not going to in this class because we're a friendly, fun class that doesn't want to get into the weeds. But if you want to talk about it later, we can. And not that you guys would argue with me, but if you pick up a comment, if you picked up six commentaries, you're going to have fights all over the place on these next few verses. But let's just read it. Verse 6, this is he talking about Jesus. Verse 5 that I read it, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth faith, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's victory. Verse 6, This is he that came by water and by blood, even Jesus Christ. So what does water and blood mean? This isn't the real country. This is just, it's fun. People argue about this, debate it, Bible college. They'll be, but it's not really like a controversial thing. It's just what does he mean? Water and blood. There's really two schools of thought. There's one school of thought that kind of ties back to John 3. When Jesus, remember when he said to, to Nicodemus, like I already said, you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Born of the water, from that passage, we all take. Some debate that. Born of the water is, as Jill is going to know soon, in a little, it's probably about 2 in the morning at some point, she's going to say, hey, my what broke? My water broke. And that's going to indicate we better get moving at some point, depending on how fast or how slow she goes into delivery. So John seemed to indicate in John 3 that he's saying by water and by spirit, you need to have a physical birth and you need to be born again spiritually. So some think that when he says Jesus came by water and blood, that the water represents his physical birth, his humanity when he became man, not from a natural way, but when the Holy Spirit conceived and he was born of a virgin. Some think it came from that. And the blood represents his death on the cross, possibly. Others think that the water represents when he got baptized, and he was baptized in beginning his earthly ministry, and his blood was the death on the cross. And the reason they would say that is because all of this passage is testifying of Jesus being God. And, and one author uh, used it this way. Is it, imagine like a courtroom and you're calling your witness. He says, my first witness is water. And water walks up to the stand and says, yeah, I was there when he got baptized. Because he went down and came up and the dove came down and there was a voice from heaven. I heard God the Father, the voice from heaven, the dove like the Holy Spirit came upon him. I witnessed that he is God. Could be. Very true. Then the blood, he said, if I called the blood to the stand next as a witness, and the blood would say, hey, yeah, I was there on the cross, and, and he cried out, my, my, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And I saw the, the heavens close up, and everything took place, and he shed his blood for the sins of mankind. Yeah, it could be that. Um, either one, it doesn't matter which direction you go. He's talking about how that either his, by his birth or in his ministry and by his death, his, he lived a life that proved he is God. That's what he's getting at. And he says, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness. So the third witness, this author said, if we were to bring him up, was the Holy Spirit. But he says, because the Spirit is truth. But then he continues, he says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. That's the controversial verse right there because I, I shouldn't even just throw it out there, but if you want to study it, some say that shouldn't be in the Bible. Some people say that's not in the earliest manuscripts. It shouldn't be in the Bible. 
but it's so clear on the Trinity that I think that's what scares some people. So, uh, but there's, you could go down the road, but if you wanted to use it as a proof text, there's a lot of other proof texts of the Trinity if you wanted to avoid this one. Because if you ever take this one, like to Jehovah's Witness or something, they already know the controversy behind this passage. They're going to say that shouldn't be in the Bible. I disagree with them. But they're going to say it shouldn't be, and they're going to give you a list of reasons. You're going to stand there and go, oh, I didn't know all that. So it may be worth studying sometime. But then you just go, well, let's go to Jesus' baptism. Let's go to the, the Great Commission. And you can prove the Trinity in many other ways outside of this very clear and obvious text. But he says that the Spirit, um, he said these three agree in one. Or verse 4 says, the Father, the Word, capital W, know from John 1, 1 is Jesus Christ. And from 1 John 1, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, the water, and blood, and these three agree in one. Now I got to keep moving. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God, so the, the, there's a witness of men, people have witnessed what happened to Jesus, they witnessed his resurrection, but the witness of God is greater. He spoke down and said, This is my son whom, whom I am well pleased. There, there is the, the testimony, he says, For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. If, you, if you've accepted Jesus, if you're saved in here, he says you, ought to, you have that witness of yourself. You have a testimony yourself, and you've sensed what God has done in your life. You've seen the change in your life. You've seen what God has done. And so you are a testimony of the, the power of Jesus Christ. It's in a sense what he's saying. He says, He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record of, of that God gave his Son. And this is the record. That God hath given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's where we're stopping today. But that's a good verse against if you're ever having to talk to uh, Pentecostals or something like that. Because they'll say... Some say that you don't receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. They'll say you get the Holy Spirit later when you get a special double blessing and then you can speak in tongues and everything like that. Well, it tells me in this verse and in Romans 8 that if I don't have the Son of God, then I'm not a child of God. So either I got the child, either at 12 years old when I got on my knees by the bed in my dad's room when I prayed, I got the Holy Spirit or I really wasn't saved at that point. So there isn't a second time later when you get the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are born again. You receive the Holy Spirit right there. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And that's what he tells us in verse number 12. So. Again, some neat verses there, but I, I, I wish I could have, I just follow in the order. I wish I could have finished on the, the grievous part, but that was part of the beginning. But I don't, want the, I don't want Satan to steal that seed away. I, don't want to, I want us to think through in our minds that it's not grievous to follow God. You love Him, and He loves you. And so let's keep His commandments, let's fellowship with Him, and enjoy our relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this class. It always listens so well. And Lord, I pray that you'd